This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. This is an RNZ podcast. Hello, I'm Simon Morris. Given the fact that the number of decent stories is essentially limited, some say there are a mere thousand and one, others that there are only a half a dozen truly original plots, it's unsurprising Hollywood tends to remake the good ones all the time. Now, there's nothing intrinsically wrong with cover versions, of course. Some of the best films have taken an established story and run with it, from Hamlet to Batman. The Riddler is asking for you. The killer left this for the Batman. Why is he writing to you? You came. I've been trying to reach you. Where the new, improved cover version can slip up, though, is when the aim isn't so much to find a new way to tell a story, but to cash in on the magic of an old favourite film and then resell it to a younger audience who only knows the title. Recapturing magic is the hardest job in movies. Here's an example. I had no idea how small-time I was until I met you. Penny. Why are women better suited to the con than men? Because we're used to faking it. Because no man will ever believe a woman is smarter than he is. It's 2019's The Hustle, starring Anne Hathaway and Rebel Wilson. And it was a flagrant rip-off of the classic Steve Martin-Michael Caine comedy, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. What was wrong with it wasn't the fact that they re-gendered it. It just wasn't much good, because it wasn't the original. Do you have any idea what it feels like to take a woman for 20 bucks? No, I haven't. I'm afraid it's a little out of my class. We find a woman, set a price... And the first man to extract the correct amount from her wins. Wish me luck. But in fact, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels wasn't the original either. It was a remake and vast improvement on a film called Bedtime Stories, starring that failed comedy duo David Niven and Marlon Brando. I'm afraid I'm a bit naive when it comes to the weaker sex. The weaker sex? Remember this, it takes six men to carry a guy that will rave. It takes one woman to put him there. Well, maybe that's the trick. If you have to do a cover version, do one of a bad movie, or at least one that nobody has any particularly strong affection for. Which brings me to the current policy of the Disney Studios. Hi-ho, hi-ho, it's home from work we go. Some genius in the accounts department decided that while many Disney animated classics were popular and often critically acclaimed, they were hopelessly outdated. Hand-drawn 2D animation, I ask you. No celebrity voices, or at least none the all-important youth market have ever heard of. And those songs. When you wish upon a star Makes no difference who you are 
desires will come to you. I mean, it's hardly Harry Styles or Bad Bunny, is it? The solution was to remake the films, often with live performers. And the end result was, well, mixed. Some were just predictable and dull. You shall not go to the ball. Excuse me. Why are you crying? Who are you? That's better. My fairy godmother. Cinderella, as directed by Kenneth Branagh, stuck close to the original, which was probably the best idea, even if it wasn't a patch on Disney's 1950 version. It was certainly less infuriating than Tim Burton's complete overhaul of Dumbo. You can do it, Dumbo. Sean. Fly, Dumbo. Fly. Well, it was different, different and awful. Meanwhile, Aladdin, The Lion King and Mulan were hardly improvements on the relatively recent originals. And as for Lady and the Tramp and The Jungle Book, why, Disney Accounts Department, why? Oh, ooby-doo, I want to be like you. I want to walk like you, talk like you. You'll see it's true. Before we launch into the latest so-called live-action travesty, I should say that the other two movies this week are both originals. New Zealand director Welby Ng's Punch and a Spanish comedy about rival movie stars called Official Competition. But first, buckle up for a ride to Pleasure Island, Pinocchio. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you The original Pinocchio is an Italian children's book, hugely popular at home despite its rather dark gothic tone. But the story is best known for Walt Disney's 1940 movie, brilliantly reimagined and, for many critics, one of the greatest animated features ever made. Every change was an improvement, every decision proved to be perfect, and the correct thing to do with such a film is to leave it alone. But no, veteran director Robert Zemeckis of Back to the Future and Who Framed Roger Rabbit fame was roped in to do a live, well, live-ish, remake starring Tom Hanks as toymaker Geppetto. Star light, star bright. First star I see tonight. I wish I may. I wish I might. Have the wish I wish tonight. Well, nothing against Tom, an actor whose heart is generally in the right place and who's already done good service for Disney by playing Walt himself in Saving Mr Banks. But he should have run for the hills from this turkey. Hello, Pops. Jumping keepers. An almost real boy. It's astonishingly close to the original in parts. Some sequences are shot-for-shot digital facsimiles of the work of Disney's crack animators Ward Kimball, Ollie Johnston, Frank Thomas and the rest. Well, the only thing's missing are flair, originality, energy and wit. Magic, in other words, replaced by technical mastery and hollow polish. Pinocchio should have been home by now. 
But it's the parts that deviate from the original that seem to have infuriated the critics. The new Pinocchio is only 20 minutes longer than the 1940 version, less if you take out the interminable credits at the end, but it feels a lot longer, and each deviation makes you wonder why they did it. Turn around, let me get a look at you. I will be right here when you get back. Pinocchio is running around loose without a conscience? Can you imagine the trouble he's going to get into? Wouldn't want that on my conscience. Why have an added seagull called Sophia? Why the teacher for just one scene? Why does the fearsome impresario Stromboli have a wan puppeteer with no other purpose than to offer stringless Pinocchio a heavily stringed love interest? Suddenly, you're asking a lot more questions than Disney Plus intended. What's happening, Jiminy? Looks like some sort of fairy magic. Kind of on the nose, if you ask me. But the point is, a lie can really change a person, Pinocchio. And they also dropped the ball with the story's villains, Honest John the Fox and his mute companion Gideon the Cat. This is the original, a scene I regularly use to illustrate every so-called shortcut ever employed in the film business. I'm going to school. School? Ah, yes. Then you haven't heard of the easy road to success. Uh-uh. No? I'm speaking, my boy, of the theatre. Here's a rabbit. And this is the new version, a laboured effort by everyone concerned. You suspect Keegan-Michael Key may be making it up as he goes along. Everybody who's anybody wants to be a somebody! But I want to be real! Why on earth would you want to be real when you can be famous? Now, my main beef, as you've probably guessed by now, is that Pinocchio is not only a timeless classic, but also a personal favourite. So why would anyone think of tampering with it, let alone cobbling together such a clunky caricature? It's as if someone remade the Mona Lisa in 3D with a clockwork motor and a light dusting of cheese. When you wish upon a star The least helpful complaints about this Pinocchio are that it's woke, meaning it's got a few more women in it and some of the cast aren't necessarily white. Honestly, that's not what's wrong with it. He won't be a puppet anymore. That's for sure. It's not even that it's awful, it's that they shouldn't have made it at all and the person who ordered it should have been fired. When Tom Hanks, good sport that he is, set out to sell the thing, he suggested it was bigger and improved. I think every audience wishes to be transported. That's the magic of cinema. Great movies last forever. And that's one of the things that Pinocchio delivers. But it was already bigger and quite improved enough, thank you. Still, Tom's right about one thing. Great movies last forever, so leave them alone. Both Pinocchios, incidentally, are available on Disney+. Plus. I expect you to choose wisely. You will always be my real boy. British actor Tim Roth has been spending the last few years travelling the globe as a hired acting gun to Mexico for sundown, to Sweden for Bergman Island and recently to the back blocks of New Zealand for a film called Punch, written and directed by Welby Ings. 
Ings is an academic, a professor of design at AUT, as well as a short filmmaker with an interest in, and I quote, the history of the culture of male prostitution, homosexual law reform, mental health and marginalised thinking, all of which feature in his debut feature film, Punch. Schoolboy Jim Jordan Oosterhoff is a keen, you might even say obsessive, would-be boxer. He trains all day and every day under the eye of his dad, played by Tim Roth. Eyes up. Ah! Keep your rhythm. You have to focus. I said I'll be first professional fight. You see big break. This is small-town New Zealand, and Jim's a pretty typical popular kid at school. He hangs out with his mates, he's got a girlfriend who has to play second fiddle to his boxing career, and they all hoon around town in a mate's old car, jeering at unpopular kids. I've got running. No, you don't. You're such a tease. Yo, what's up, bro? In that case, it's the only gay in the village, a kid called Fetu, though despite the casual homophobia at school, it's a long time since it was illegal, you'd think. As one of the teachers protests, nobody cares that you're gay, Fetu. But it's clearly an issue, particularly in the ultra-male area of boxing. Jim has no real connection with Fetu until he injures himself near his homemade beach shack. Fetu shows him around. So you made this? All of this? So now the story seems to take a slightly unexpected direction. The enthusiastically gay would-be singer Fetu making friends with the apparently straight boxer Jim. Will Punch remain as non-binary as this, or will it turn into a more predictable coming-of-age story? Do you ever get lonely out here? No. Twelve town rigs of testosterone. <laughs> Meanwhile, the other plot of Punch continues to simmer on the back burner. Jim's dad is an alcoholic and Jim's getting tired of tidying up his messes. And he's also got doubts that dad's the right person to train him for that all-important first boxing match. So, do you want this boxing thing? Yeah. It's like you climb through those ropes and you transform. Wonder. Jim is lured away from Dad by a squad of shady professional trainers who promise they can take the young boxer where he needs to go. But is it really what Jim wants to do now? Wouldn't he prefer to spend time with his new mate Fetu and indulge his other enthusiasm, making music videos? You may not always shine as you go Barefoot And in the final half hour of the film, we seem to suffer from too many punchlines. Dad bets heavily on the boxing match for his own reasons and falls out with Jim. Tim Roth, incidentally, is a real asset to punch, despite a not always clear storyline. Meanwhile, hot-headed Fetu falls foul of the wrong people, leaving Jim with more than one decision to make. And you might be so You think you want to be mates? But you're too scared. It's all right, mate. No. It's not.
There are the usual dark forces going on in the rural New Zealand town. Homophobia, secrets and lies, one chance to get out from under, and the brutal nature of professional small-town boxing, I suppose. By the end of Punch, all that cinema of unease starts to grind you down. And you won't be the stars in heaven. Don't touch me! <laughs> It does look great, by the way, in a brooding sort of way, and the three lead performances are fine. I'm delighted to report that it's been greeted enthusiastically by many local critics. But for me, while I could certainly admire the components, I found it difficult to love Punch as a whole. In this town, it's a hyena. And I'm one of them. Sooner or later, most filmmakers seem to want to make a tongue-in-cheek movie about filmmaking. Since they spend all their waking lives making them or thinking about making them, when the time comes to write a new script, what else are they going to write about? Like a Spanish movie called Official Competition. No, 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 no. No me jodas! Official competition is made by a pair of Argentinian writer-directors, which is promising. I've seen some terrific films from Argentina. It opens on a multi-millionaire Umberto who feels unloved and disrespected. The solution is to finance a prestigious movie by genius auteur Lola Cuevas, played with the biggest hair imaginable by Penelope Cruz. Lola Cuevas, la directora. Super valorada por la crítica. Yo quiero financiar una película con actores de renombre. She has the project, a script called Rivalry, and the perfect cast to play the estranged brothers, those household names Ivan Torres and Felix Rivero. Umberto, who knows nothing about films, has only one question: Are they the best? Los mejores. A ver cómo se lo cuento. Toda la suerte, compañero. Te hará falta. Iván es el maestro de actores y Félix es pues una estrella a nivel mundial. Lola tells him that Ivan is the most respected actor on the Spanish stage. Think someone like Argentinian superstar Oscar Martinez. And Felix may not be respected at all. He just happens to be the biggest movie star in the country. Think Antonio Banderas. I always do my own stance, you know. Always. Qué pajero. Idiota. Ignorante. Which, of course, is how they cast it. Official competition is about the rivalry between two volatile actors. Ivan has nothing but contempt for his film star opposite number, particularly when Felix is regularly late for rehearsals with increasingly lame excuses. Ellos pertenecen a mundos muy distintos. Idiota, ignorante, malparido, cutre, te arrastra por dinero. Tú también te arrastras por dinero, solo que por menos que yo. Meanwhile, Felix is paranoid about being acted off the screen by a real actor. So he undermines his rival every step of the way, showing off his many flashy awards and his popularity among the great unwashed. Action. Estoy listo. 
But just as you think the official competition of the title is entirely fuelled by testosterone, a third contestant steps up to the plate. Director Lola didn't get her prickly reputation by letting anyone get away with anything. For her, the rehearsal period is a time to break down actors' egos. Es un ejercicio que aumente un poco la tensión. Utilizarlo, utilizarlo. Sí, sí. First, she butts heads with theatre star Ivan. His first line, good evening, is never right no matter how he does it. She corrects him again and again while Ivan seethes with frustration. On the other side of the room, Felix is amused. Serves him right. Buenas noches. Otra vez? Buenas noches. Una vez más? Buenas noches. Ahí está. Yo también lo he sentido. But then Felix gets shown up when Lola criticises his kissing technique. The girl in the movie is played by producer Umberto's stage-struck daughter, and Lola proceeds to kiss her star off the screen. All a bit modern for Umberto. Lola, un ejercicio sobre el ego. Os voy a enseñar una cosa. Hija, excelente. In other words, it's a general satire of what it's like making movies all over Europe. Florid, pretentious directors, ego-driven stars, producers with more money than sense, but with the ever-present possibility of triumph in official competition at festivals and award shows. Ya nos visualizo recibiendo un Oscar. Yo jamás me sometería a ese circo. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Muchas gracias. Este premio. As I say, very European, which is frankly nothing like the movie industry here. We lack this kind of Latin pretension to say nothing of multi-millionaire backers. It's not much like Hollywood for that matter. The studios would never make this sort of prestige movie. So while we may love the performances in official competition, Antonio Banderas is often hilarious. Many of the in-jokes fall a bit flat. I wanted to like it rather more than I did, and if you're expecting an Argentinian version of the French TV comedy See My Agent, well, it's not that. But it's a film that might work rather better if it was covered by someone good. I wonder what Tyker's doing at the moment. And on that defence of the new and improved, it's time to go. I'm Simon Morris, and I hope you'll join me at the movies same time next week. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.